Good morning. Hey, we're going to do the book of Joshua, chapter 1, today. So take out your Bibles and open them to the sixth book of the Bible from the front. That's the book of Joshua. And we're going to be doing, uh, covering the first uh, nine verses. This is part one of a two-part series called Finishing Well. Pastor Jeff asked if I would come next month and do part two while they're in Israel. And so um, this month is, uh, right now, is on Joshua, and next month is on Caleb. Both of them finished well. And there's a whole lot to learn from their lives, from how God worked in their lives and all. And so um, let's stand as we read the first nine verses of Joshua chapter 1, and then we'll begin with a word of prayer. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we're asking now that you would speak to us through your word. We thank you that it was the same Holy Spirit who inspired Joshua to pen these things. That same Holy Spirit lives in us when we have placed our trust and faith in Jesus. And we've been born again by the same Spirit of God. But Lord, we need your instruction. We need your insight. We want more than just information. We want to hear your voice to us personally. So speak to us through your word today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. For those of you that are just getting started in the Bible, 
I know we're jumping into the middle of history here, and so I think it's important to give you a little rundown of where we are up to this point. The children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt, and God raised up a deliverer, Moses, had to work with them for 40 years out on the backside of the desert to prepare him. But at 80 years old, he came up, and God used him and his brother Aaron to be the, the ones who would deliver Israel out of the land of Egypt. And they came into the wilderness area where they enter into a covenant with God down at Mount Sinai. <clears throat> and then two years later, from the time they left Egypt, they came to the southern border of the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. And they sent out 12 spies, one from um, different tribes. And Joshua and Caleb were among the 12. So all 12 of these spies went up over a 40-day period and spied out the land of Canaan, and they brought back some of the grapes and the fruit from the land and presented it to Israel. But 10 of the 12 spies were so absolutely overcome with fear and terrorized because the people were much larger than they anticipated. The cities were walled up way up to heaven, they said. And they said, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And and so the fear leavened out all 600,000 men, as well as women and children, and brought the chastening of God upon Israel. And for the next 38 years, God said, That first generation which didn't believe me will die in the wilderness, and I'll bring in the second generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, because they wholly followed the Lord um, God. And so here is Joshua now. He's not a young man. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, And he had the greatest mentor of all time. He had Moses. He was the meekest man on the face of the earth, it was written of him. Meekness means yieldedness. Yieldedness to the Lord doesn't mean weakness. And so here Joshua had this mentor, and it was a 40-year training program to prepare him for leadership. And so now... Moses ended up dying because he misrepresented the Lord at the very end of the 40 years. And God said, Mo, I'm not taking you in. I'll have you look at it, but you can't go in because you misrepresented me uh, in your anger. And so Moses died at 120 years old. And so 30 years had, uh, 30 years, 30 days had gone by in mourning for Moses, and then we come to Joshua chapter 1. We don't know how exactly how old Joshua was at this point, but we do have a time stamp at the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua was 110 years old when he died. Now, many Bible commentators believe the book of Joshua takes place over a 25-year period. The first 12 chapters certainly were seven years. And so, but 25 years. So let's just take that, subtract 110 from that, and you have 85 years old. 85 years old. And we think, hey, where's the retirement plan here? No, no, that's not how God is working. Because Joshua was a man of faith. He... 
Think about it. All of his generation is gone. All of his relatives, all of his acquaintances, all of his friends from that generation are gone. And it's just him and Caleb. And they're looking at the Jordan River and it's flooded. What's next? And this is what we read. I'm going to take these nine verses. I want to split them into three parts. First part is verses one and two, for those of you taking notes. And I call this the pronouncement to go forward. Then the second part is verses three through five, the promised land boundaries. And that may, it's more than just a historical. I think there's some things here we need to apply to our own lives and, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. But it's not just information. I think it's significant. And the third part is verses 6 through 9, the personal responsibilities of Joshua. It's a threefold exhortation to be strong and very courageous. And the, the three different applications to that exhortation. So in looking at verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke. To Joshua. As I was reading this, it struck me that so many times a fresh word from the Lord comes after a death. Maybe it's a death of a vision. Maybe it's a death of a mentor. Maybe it's a death of a relationship. During the 40 years, Joshua could always go to Moses and say, what do we do? But there comes a time when that's no longer the normal. It's a new normal. And a lot of times we don't like new normals because it's uncertain, insecure. Can't count on it. No experience base. But you do have experience base. And so it's written here, it was after the death of Moses that the Lord spoke fresh to Joshua. And I just want to tell you, it's the same in the kingdom of God today. When something dies in our life, it's an opportunity for the Lord to speak fresh vision into our life. But we don't like that. We'd rather not have it that way. But it's life. And so we're not to be afraid of it, but we're to understand God is there, and it's a season to not get trapped by the past, but to go forward. And so here we have the Lord coming to Joshua in verse 2, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. It's one thing to know that your hope or your plan or your relationship is dead, but the Lord's saying, you're not going back there. It's dead. But now, therefore... When you see the word therefore, you know how it goes. You always ask, what's it there for? And so what is there for is to tell us that you're not going back. You're going forward because that's what he says. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan. Get up. Put your foot forward. Get up and go forward. Learn from the past. 
but don't get trapped by the past. Sometimes we think because of how much we've failed, why would God ever use me again? Sometimes we think, man, I made this mistake. I've got a new situation of life I can't get out of because of my own sin. And, it's, and you're trapped in your mind, but you're not trapped with the Lord. Learn from the past, yes. Man, I was such an idiot when I did that. Well, okay, learn from the past. You are an idiot, okay? <laughs> uh, you, you, you have this ability to sabotage things. But don't get trapped by it because the Lord wants you to go forward. Get up and go forward in him. And so um, here we see the Lord telling them, I want you to go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. You can't give something to somebody you don't own. I can't take Pastor John Figg's forerunner and take his keys and give it to you and say, I'd just like to bless you with a forerunner. Here's the keys. Because I, I don't own it. By the way, that's Grand Theft Auto. So you have to own it to give it. So here is the Lord saying, this land I own, and I give it to whomever I wish. And the Canaanites could go, wait, 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 wait. We've been here. We've got tenure. We own it. But they're squatters. In the same way, when you become a believer, God purchases you. You're his property. You're his land. And there are Canaanites in the land still that God wants you to drive out. And those Canaanites are sinful attitudes, sinful mindsets, sinful actions, addictions, things that have been going on, just like the Canaanites, for years in your life. And you think, well, maybe I can use it. No, wrong answer. It's a Canaanite because God speaks to, um, in his word that that behavior, that action is sin in my sight. It's a Canaanite, and you need to drive it out. I'll be with you to help you. I'll give you the strategy, but it's got to go. No detente with the enemy. And so here we, we look at our past, and we go, I see failures. You look at the future. I don't know how to do this. Well, that's why the Lord's going to be with you. He'll give it to you step by step. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it into the day of Jesus Christ. That's called finishing well. And finishing well at the end of your life means finishing well today. Today. And then you wake up, and it's still today. When you wake up three days from now, it's today. When you wake up, it's present tense. So in your day, finish well. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm saying finish well. 
which means if you've sinned against somebody, either in word or, or action, or you've hardened your heart, um, or you've done something that, that's messed up somebody's life, you need to go and repent. Repentance is part of finishing well. Asking forgiveness of those you've sinned against is finishing well. At the end of the day, okay, it wasn't a perfect day. It was a pretty messed up day. But at the end of the day, I asked God to straighten out my life, and I humbled myself before him. That's finishing well for that day. Because at the end of your life, God wants to build a legacy of finishing well. He wants that. Not just certain people, but he wants it for you. And it starts with today. Because you may not think you have a legacy, but you do have a legacy because God has a plan for your life to glorify him and it's to impact the next generation. It's all about him. Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feet knees and make straight paths for your feet. Somebody left their coffee up here. (laughs) That's not my coffee. I'm not going to drink that. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. God wants to heal your life, even though you're lame. Don't take that the wrong way, but maybe you should. But, you know, God wants to put you forward. He wants to help you finish well. Well, let's continue on here. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. God promises the land, but he requires participation. God makes promises for us in his word, but the part that we play is stepping out in faith one step at a time. Every place where the sole of your foot lands, I have given you. Steps of faith are the way of the Christian life. And faith always involves risk. There's an element of risk involved. What if it doesn't work? Yeah, well, that's an element of risk. Can you trust God to meet you there in that step? And by the way, Usually, almost always, God does not give you step two until you take step one. Well, I want the whole plan. No, that's not how it works. Because you see, God wants to use life to teach you about himself in the process and to teach you about you because you don't know you like God knows. Um, You know, nobody thinks about you more than you when you think about it. Um, when you think somebody else is thinking about you, they're not. They're thinking about themselves. But Psalm 139 says, God thinks about us more times than there are grains of sand in the sea. Why? It's so that we'll stop thinking about ourselves. Can we entrust our life to him? If he's got his eye on us, can't we just rest in that truth that I don't have to be afraid. I can just release my life to the Lord because he's got this. And I can be focused on how do you want me to minister to others? 
to be others-oriented, walking in agape love. Participation is required. He says, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. It's interesting that this boundary area comprised, uh, some have estimated it comprised 30,000 square miles. But historically, Israel only possessed 3,000 square miles. 10% of what God had promised to them. Everything God wanted to do with them was going to be within those boundaries. And you can, you can say, well, I want something different. Well, God says, listen, I've, I've given you this land and everything I want to do is going to be within these borders. God didn't give them Italy, didn't give them Turkey, didn't give them South Africa. These are your borders. I'm giving it to you. I want to bless you. I want to fill your life. My plan has to do with your borders. And in the same way, sometimes we can look at our life, our lot in life, our plot, our history, how we grew up, where we grew up, the family we grew up in, all of the life experiences, all the reality of what brought us to right now, our lot in life. And we can be so complaining about our lot in life, we're forgetting that God is in the middle of it and he wants to bring glory from gory, okay? He wants to take our lot in life and he wants to bless us in the midst of it. He wants to use all that's happened and make his own mosaic out of it, even the dark pieces. And sometimes we look at other people and, they, and we go, well, God, how come they get to do this and I'm stuck with this? Or how come, how come, how come, how come? And we've just got such a complaining spirit and we forget that there could be richness in our plot. Plot sounds like a death place, so let's change the word. Our lot in life. There could be richness there, but we have to dig for it. Some of you know that um, some of you have lands, that you, you have oil deposits, natural gas deposits under your property. But you can't get it unless you dig for it. Um, it's kind of like having a million-dollar check in your pocket and you never cash it. You're not rich. You just got a wad of paper in your pocket. But you got to cash it in order to be rich. In the same way, God's given you this portion in your life. And now it's time to find out, Lord, how do you want to use who I am, what I've been through, to bring you glory? And you've got to dig to find it. And don't be settled for less. Look for all that God wants to do with your portion, your lot in life. And, and when I read this, I think of that here. Because it's so easy to be covetous of what other people are doing. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. 
Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God thinks that if you have him, you have everything you need. Yeah, but how's that pay the rent? Well, you go to him and say, God, my rent is due on this day, and my portion is low. I've been trying to save. I'm short. Well, do you need it today? Well, no, it's not due for a week. Well, okay, you don't need it today. So are you okay? Yeah, but I have rent due. No, today. Is the rent due today? No, it's due next week. Well, then do you need it today? Well, no. Well, then you're fine. (laughs) It's just live day by day in Jesus. Present it to him. He is the I am that takes care of whatever the need is going to be right now. And then the second part of the verse of that section says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. You know, fear is a great killer of faith. I look back on my life. I got saved in 1969. Every time I really made bad decisions, it was because of fear of lost opportunity. Stupid fear. I didn't trust the Lord I jumped, impetuous, out of fear. And, and, you know, you learn from the past. You don't get trapped by it, but, you know, I'm getting old enough where I don't want to make more mistakes because I don't have much time to recover. (laughs) And so, Lord, help me have common sense and and look to you. Look to you so I can make choices that that are right. But I'm not going to be perfect. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Are there people in your life that you're kind of afraid of? Maybe it's your boss because of what he could do messing up your job or your supervisor or if I lose my job, how am I going to feed my family and all that. Wait a minute. The Lord is way ahead of you. He knows what's going on. If, you, if there's layoffs or if you lose your pension, all that, do you realize God is in charge? He really is in charge. Yeah, but I was counting on that. Well, you need to count on the Lord to take care of your future because you can't control everything. He controls according to his plan. Well... Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God will not forsake you. That means abandon you. Yeah, but what if it all falls apart? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. That's not a Greek word. You won't find that in Scripture. Yeah, but. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Even though that's Old Testament, that's kingdom truth. Okay, let's continue on now. The last section, verses 6 through 9. The personal responsibilities of Joshua Be strong and of good courage. Verse 6. 
Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Yes, Joshua was going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, and they were going to break the strongholds of the Canaanite nations over a seven-year period. You find that chapter 1 to 12. But then there came the need for courage to distribute the inheritance. They had to cast lots. They had to base things on the size of the, of the tribe and all. And, and it was going to take courage to divide the inheritance out. Now, how does that apply to us in our Christian life? Well, let me ask you this. What's the most important thing you own? That's you. That's a part of you. Is it your net worth? Is it your money? Is it your things, your possessions? I want to suggest to you, as a believer, the most important inheritance you can pass down is your testimony in Christ. Because that will impact the next generation like money will not. How God worked in your life. How he came through when you were in, in a crunch and, and in an impossible situation. That's God's thumbprint in your life. Thumbprint after thumbprint after thumbprint after thumbprint. Your testimony. How did God pull you out of the septic tank you found yourself in? That's, a, that's something you need to pass down to the next generation. And it's going to take courage and faith to do it because you think, well, nobody cares. That's not true. That's not the right perspective because God's building your legacy to his glory and he wants you to share it so that it's not lost. When I was uh, putting together our will for our family, uh, my wife and I have three boys, at the back of the last page, it's, it's uh, some lines, and you can identify what items you want to go to who. And so I called my sons. I called my oldest son, Micah, and I said, um, you know, hey, I've got to do this. Is there anything we have you really want? And Micah said, I want your cars, Dad. <laughs> I'm going, okay, well, I'm not dead. You're not getting the cars right now, okay? I called my second son, and I said, okay, Jesse, what, you know, what is it we have you want? And he goes, you know, Dad, there's really, really n- nothing that stands out. I says, well, how about, how about the grandfather clock my dad made? And he says, I hate that clock. I don't want that clock. <laughs> oh, you know, great. So I, I called my third son, my youngest son. I said, Chris, here's the deal. Out of all of our stuff here, what is it you want me to write down that you want of our stuff? And he says, Dad, I want your Bible. I said, you want my Bible? Why do you want my Bible? He says, because I want to see all the places you highlighted and underlined where God was speaking to you. So I'm looking at my Bible. I'm going, man, I better get busy here. (laughs) And just, you know, so I start highlighting and underlining. Because, you know, when you get a new Bible, you don't want to mark it up, kind of. You know, it's like, I love new Bibles because, you know, there's just that smell, you know, brand new Bible. Nothing's like that. And you just kind of want to leave it like nice and neat. Well, no. It's okay to mark in your Bible. You need to mark in your Bible. If God's speaking to you, if there's a phrase that comes out in a verse, highlight the thing. 
I mean, there's some countries you don't ever put your Bible on the floor because it's disrespectful. But here, we're under grace, man. (laughs) Line it up, you know, and, and date it. And if God does a, you know, this verse is exactly what God told me when I was going through this, and look how he came through. Date it, mark it. It's part of your legacy. Courage to pass down the inheritance. Be strong and of good courage. Number two. Be strong and of good, of good courage, verses 7 and 8, to keep in the word and obey it. Do you know, and I'll think about it, some of you have just come to the Lord, and that's, it's a whole new experience. And so when you're going through, reading through the New Testament, you come across a section that shows you that what you've been allowing in your life is sin. And it's not pleasing to God. And you think, well, yeah, but if I, if I do what it says, I'll lose my friends. Yeah, but if I do what it says, I might. And all of a sudden, you're faced with a choice. Are you going to obey Bob? Uh, Bob? Yeah. Are you? Go- <laughs> uh, he's in the sound booth. <clears throat> um, are you going to obey God or are you going to just walk by fear of man? It takes courage to obey the word of God in your life. <clears throat> There's no other way around it. And you're to keep in the word because we get distracted with life and we start forgetting. We need to be reminded on a regular basis of God's heart, of God's law, of God's desire for the future, of God's perspective, how he sees the world, how he sees other people, how he sees us. We need that. We need to be strong and of good courage to depend on the word of God no matter what. And finally, verse 9, have I not commanded you? Now, some of you have been in the armed forces and you understand this. When your commanding officer says, get your stuff ready, we're going out tomorrow morning. You don't raise your hand and go, "Um, sir, uh, we had a a two-week vacation planned in Disneyland? Can we hold off on that? That's not how it works. It's sir, yes, sir. And you go. Here is the Lord saying, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. It's not an option. It's not a multiple choice. Uh, Let me think about that. No, now, right now, this is what we're doing. And notice that God didn't tell them how they were to get across the Jordan. He just said, you cross the Jordan, I'm going to give you everything. Where's the details? Come on, details. No, you trust me. Because as you read through Joshua, every single step of the way was a step of faith, and they didn't know that step before. And they didn't get step two until they took step one which was pretty cool because it was when the priests bearing the ark touched the water of the flooded Jordan. That's when the Jordan opened up. Didn't open up beforehand, never did it again. It was a command, be strong 
and of good courage. And then he says, do not be afraid. What holds us back from taking steps of faith? Fear. Nor be dismayed. Dismayed means to be full of anxiety. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If he's with you, what do you have to fear? He says, I will never leave you. And I will never abandon you. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. No, it's not in the Greek. You just do it. Okay, God, here we go. I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know exactly what's next, but I'll trust you. So what's the next most important thing in my life? What's the next most important thing you want me to do? It starts there. Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The pronouncement to go forward, verses 1 and 2, the promised land boundaries, talking about our life and all that God wants to do within our portion. And then the personal responsibilities to be strong and of good courage in those three areas. A lot to think about. And may the Lord really help us to see what it looks like in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word this morning. We confess there's so much for us to learn. And Lord, we also confess we're not so good at doing it perfectly. But you're with us, Lord. You're a God of grace. You're a God of mercy. You're a God of forgiveness. You're a God of being long-suffering. Thank you, God, so much. Thank you that you're faithful. And so now, Lord, minister to us throughout the rest of the day and the coming days of what this looks like in our life. And may we take new steps of faith and not get trapped by the past. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.